0: The Money
1: Show. Shapeshifters. Tonight's Shapeshifter is a revisiting of a Shapeshifter classic. And it is the entrepreneurial journey of a guy called Theo Baloy. He noticed that there weren't any local brands catering to people who wanted sneakers in South Africa. If you wanted a pair of sneakers, you needed a global brand. And he decided, hold on a second, there is a gap. So in 2015, he launched Bartu. It took a long time to get recognized and to get noticed, and now there's no stopping him. Over the last two years, Batu has grown to become recognized along international alongside international brands like Nike and Adidas, but the road getting there wasn't easy. Uh Theoboloy was born and raised in Pretoria, qualified as an accountant. That's helpful when you are starting out on your own and has also worked in corporate and corporate can be helpful too in teaching you some lessons about the world of business on our original shapeshifter feature he told us why he starts early 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 and goes home late late late
0: you know for us you know our our mission is pretty clear as to what is it that we want to achieve you know we are a business that is rooted in in service if i would say that you know we our mission says that we want to reignite hope and create sustainable jobs. You know, and it's a task that we have taken up, you know, on on our shoulders. So it requires a lot of hard work, I guess, you know, um, and a lot of compromise and sacrifice. Talk to me
1: about the origins of Bato. When, uh, how does it all start? What What are you doing before you you get into uh, creating a sneaker brand?
0: Yeah, for me, I think you know it was more of a passion project than anything else, but it was a passion. A passion project that was rooted in service. So I am a product of opportunities. Um, have lived in Alexandra, you know, uh, where I basically started my entrepreneurial journey, or I would say, the entrepreneurial bug bit me, you know. Um, an accountant by profession, had a, a privilege to work for uh, one of the top four accounting firms, not only in South Africa but abroad as well. But oftentimes when I came back home, you know, uh, visiting Alexandra Township. I would see that a lot of our people are unemployed, you know, and predominantly the youth. So I just thought, you know, that I should take it upon myself because in my journey, you know, I've been awarded a lot of opportunities. So I just took it upon myself to build a business that can, number one, reap that hope and create sustainable jobs and create, you know, opportunities. So I had to bootstrap everything else and start in a in a room in Alexander Township, you know, and start this business, you know, that is around foodware.
1: And now, Talk to me about the, the sourcing of the shoes, the design of the shoes, the manufacturing of the shoes. How does that all happen?
0: So, um, you know, we, we start doing sketches, obviously, on paper, and we take those sketches once we live them, you know, to develop them into 3D designs, and we send it out to our factories, which we our stakeholders or service providers, then they go and source the materials that has to be used in the shoes and obviously do samplings on the shoes and send them back to us. Once we are happy with the assembling, we will obviously, you know, um, approve and go into mass production. And once we get the shoes, then, you know, we would start pre-saving the shoes.
1: Okay, I mean, that process, it, it, it's a huge thing. I mean, when you design a shoe, and I'm sure it becomes um, sort of more intuitive over time, but you design a pair of shoes and you send it off to the factory and you say, I'd like this in this particular material, please. And it comes back and you go, nah, doesn't work. Let's try something else let's try something else i mean does it often yeah. happen that you you sort of sending these samples back several times until you get the the correct finish
0: a whole lot you know and some of the samples that they, they don't even make it to retail or to um our catalog as our uh, product offering you know some of the samples we just say okay this is not gonna work so therefore we going to it, and that could be you know two months after three months after so it's a very um, I think, uh, a tedious process, you know, uh, and it takes a lot of effort. So that is why relations in this business is very, very important. And you need to be very clear as to what is it that you want to develop and the technicalities of the shoes and the technology that needs to be used in the shoes. You know, what is it going to achieve or what is it that you want to achieve? And that, will really, that really informs, you know, uh, how the shoe looks at the end of the day. South Africa is not renowned for shoe production. Um, you
1: know, I, I I often looked very enviously across at Brazil, which has got this most extraordinary leather industry, and they've got a huge shoe business. And yeah. at one stage, Woolies was importing a lot of its shoes from places like Brazil, for example. And I went to I went, Why don't we have the capacity to do shoes in South Africa? And in recent years, I think there have been quite a few startups like yours that have got into yeah. this space. Well, what What held us back and what's changed that makes it possible to do it now?
0: I think, you know, for, for me, you know, in my experience is that when I started the business, you know, we started everything else locally. You know, we had a factory down in Devon that could sort of pull and source the materials and the designs that we wanted, you know. But unfortunately, the craftsmanship in South Africa, um, and I think it goes as far as textile manufacturing in South Africa, is not that great. So, and it's not great as in, as in you know, great in, in a sense that it can compete with, you know, um, uh, there's other sectors in the East, you know, Brazil, like you've mentioned, when it comes to footwear. So So, um, and I think it's just the state of the country and the, the state of the economy. And could be many other factors that come to play as to why we can compete with um, other factories in other parts of the world, you know? So with us, because we are a very funky, cool brand, you know, um, innovation is very key. You know, it's, it's really, really key to our product development um, and the kind of product that we want to push out. And sneaker technology, It's also very, very key because you need to really develop not only cool shoes, but comfortable shoes. And what we found the challenge was that a lot of the factories that we had at the time, that we worked with at the time in South Africa, they don't have the capacity, the resources, even the infrastructure to pull off the designs that we wanted, you know? And to be honest with you, Bruce, as to why is it, um, I I don't really know. I think it's just the state of the economy. But I see now that there's a lot of factories that we work with now in South Africa with our CSI projects. The school shoes, you know, they pulled off very great quality school shoes that are really looking you know amazing and and they really can compete on a on a very on a global scale. Also we're doing a few samples, some SKUs, they put off and they are of great quality, you know. Um, but other 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 sneakers, especially when it comes to innovation, it's a it's a sneaker that has never been done before. I feel like our our factories in South Africa don't have the infrastructure to pull those off. So where do you source the
1: raw materials from? I mean, if you, we've got an issue with textiles and craftsmanship and, and all of this sort of stuff. How have you circumvented all of these obstacles, which for most people would have been, you know what, sod it. We're not going to do it. The Brazilians already have got yeah. the industry. Well, we, we're not going to bother. I'll find something else to do.
0: So the nature of industry, and I think the nature of this industry in South Africa is that even though we have factories, either it's food or it's textile, you know, um, materials are still sourced, you know, overseas most of the time. Even, you know, the components of, of of the infrastructure or the machinery or the molds are sourced overseas to put together. And either we're assembling, you know, in South Africa and that forms our production or production lines, right? So for us, we managed to source some of the materials from the Sotho and some of our materials from the East, you know. So it's still a very, very big challenge for us to develop our own materials in South Africa, you know, um, come up with our own models that are developed in South Africa, come up with the whole entire end-to-end value chain and infrastructure locally sourced and locally produced. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a huge challenge. So uh, we, we source everything else from, for, for our business. We source between the Sutu for our mesh edition, and for other SKUs, we source from the East. That must raise
1: your cost base. I mean, one of the reasons why um, so many shoes are made in, you know, particularly trainers and 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 sports shoes, for example, are made in places like Vietnam and Thailand and in China, yeah. is because of the mass production capacity, which lowers the the unit cost of every pair that is produced. One hundred percent.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. That also comes to play, you know, because you look at the East we mentioned China and them. You know, they've got a huge, I think, capacity to really pull in a great product at a minimum cost as well. Whereas when it comes to South Africa, like I've mentioned, so if a fiction South Africa has to mention, has to, you know, locally produce a product, you know, with materials that are outsourced, that's a cost for you to bring the materials in the country. If you have to put an infrastructure together locally and you you have to import a mold, there's cost not only to secure it, but also, you know, import duties for you to get the mold into your fiction, you know. And that all of that adds up. And then on top of that, you don't even have the right capacity to compete with the capacity and the infrastructure that is already built in in the East or other parts of the world, you know? So that comes to play as well. There's a lot of factors that really contribute to that. And I think that is why sometimes even the big retail groups that we've got in South Africa, you know, they opt to go, you know, up to other parts of the world because the unit cost, you know, you know, it really, really plays a role and the capacity that, Those factories have, you know, plays a lot in terms of, you know, um, pricing in South
1: Africa. That's part one of our discussion with Theo Baloy, the founder of Batu Shoes in retail, in shops, everywhere, and has had remarkable success in creating that shoe brand in South Africa. More with Theo Baloy in just a bit.
0: The Money Show,
1: Shapeshifters. To part two of our discussion with Theo Bolloy, the founder of Batu Shoes, about his retail store rollout, just perfectly timed with COVID-19.
0: What actually, what um, what, what the pandemic has afforded me was to repurpose and reposition our brand, to repurpose our strategy and execution as well. And I think the benefit with our business is that the first two years of um, of our business when we established the business is that we actually did not have any brick and mortar stores. So we worked solely on building the brand, you know, um, accumulating the working capital and putting the strategy together as to how we're going to further expand and grow the brand, you know, in terms of um, presence in South Africa. So when the pandemic came, you know, there was a lot of room for us to have very good conversations with our landlords, our partners, as to how we can roll out stores at a very cheaper price or affordable price and not only that, but sustainable methodology. You know, so we sort of had to leverage from from all of that, and that is why the rollout of 24 stores, you know, during a pandemic. Yeah, and it's it's how Tiki Town
1: started. I mean, Tiki Town started in 2008, and um, landlords were begging for them to open stores, so they got gre- they got yeah. great deals. And I hope you've got good long term leases at very low escalations and, and good prices. Is it is it worth um, having your own branded stores? Um, is it is the strategy working for
0: you? I think, yeah, you know, the strategy is working for us 110% because, you know, for an emerging brand, it's really, really, really important, I would say, to build your brand equity, you know, to really build your own, you know, data and really get to connect with your clients and your 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 customers because there's no one who can really sell your brand promise like you do. Whereas when you're emerging brand and you start retailing, I feel like you know retailers won't really advocate and no disrespect to any retailer, but they won't really advocate the brand promise the way you would do. So for me, I've I've seen that strategy has really worked for me and has helped my brand grow rapidly in a very short space of time because I'm in control of the end-to-end value chain, you know, and not only that, but you know, I can really get to communicate directly with my consumer. Data is a big thing, you know. So when someone comes and walks in but in my in my stores. I can get the data and use it to remarket, market reposition our brand and re-engage and most importantly, retain the client. You know, so that for me has worked really very well, like very well for my business. It might be a complete, you know, um, I think story to the next guy, the next brand, but for our brand, it has proven to be a great success.
1: Do you just do you it through any other retailers or is it purely through your own platforms? Have you kept it 100% um, with, mm-hmm. within the, the sphere of Batu Shoes?
0: 110%, you know, exclusively at Bartu. You know, this is from e-commerce, um, the whole end-to-end value chain and most importantly, the omni-channel as well. You know, so it's all exclusively retailed at Bartu Stores or so Bartu platform. And then you've not raised funding. You've not borrowed money
1: in order to grow. No. You've not fallen into the... You haven't yet gone into a franchise model. It's all about control. You're such an accountant. Control, control, control. <laughs> Talking about that, let
0: me tell you a little bit of a story. So in, in, in my accounting days, you know, I had the privilege of working on you know, great measures and acquisitions. And I used to do, I was part of the DD team at some point and it did due diligence and all of that. And when the balance sheets that I've read oftentimes I, I wouldn't see a business that is 100% controlled. So you see it a lot in Silicon Valley with the tech companies when they are startups and they sell equity. And the big question was that, is it really possible to start a business, bootstrap it, you know, um, and own the end-to-end value chain and own 100% and scale it? And obviously with a you know vision one day to sell equity but to really scale a great brand 100 percent. because i've never read in my accounting days i've never read a balance sheet like that so i took it upon myself to really try that out and hence you know i built the business the way i built it because it was like i said at the beginning a passion project and i just had this big ask to say i mean i've, I've read so many balance sheets, i've done so many measures and measures acquisitions and I, I haven't really seen a balance sheet like this can i build one You know, just as a passion project, and that's what I wanted to do with Patsy, and hence the hundred percent, you know, ownership in everything that we do, zero debt, you know, um, and when whatsoever. So, are you consolidating at the moment? I mean,
1: you've uh, for a while you've had you had a very quick rollout You opened the thirty stores. You got yourself a big national footprint. Uh, I feel like you're in a consolidation phase for a while.
0: Yes, yes. So we've we've done that um, with obviously you know the back end of the business and. Um, the models that we put together and how we roll out our brand, you know, consolidation is, is is really key. And I think not only that, but, you know, most importantly, repositioning um, or redeploying our working capital in the right avenues of the business and keep on doing that over and over again. And obviously, uh, leveraging of um, the resources that we've got and the networks and, you know, um, uh, everything else that we've built over the years and just try to put it together and consolidate and try to repurpose it. How many pairs of shoes, have you sold? <laughs> it's an exercise we need to do, actually. To be honest with you, Bruce, um, I am not quite sure, but it's actually an exercise that we need to do with our accountants.
1: You, oh, you got other accountants. You get other people to do the boring work now. <laughs> you're, you're over that. You build. You're building. You're building a business. You're building a business. Um, uh, what about expanding beyond our borders? I mean, you've created a cool brand. You've created. You've got a strong brand promise you have got a brand premise you've got a strong brand presence um you're going up against the big boys you price yourself you don't you're not looking to undercut uh in terms of pricing on on big global brands you're quite happy to put your product on a shelf yeah. and you will proudly price your brand um sometimes at a premium um to to some global sneaker brands um yeah. that smacks of somebody with ambitions beyond south africa's borders
0: 100%. I mean, just last year alone, we were on the top 100 most admired African brands, you know, um least alongside big brands in Africa, then got the Group, uh, MTN, DSTV. And that's the study that was conducted by Brands Africa over 28 countries that constitutes of 80% of African consumers. Mm-hmm. And here's this brand from Rumin Alexandra, you know, sitting in ranking number 10 alongside big brands, you know, and that shows that we've got a great appetite and even the insights we've got in the business. We've got a great, in shows that we've got great, in- great appetite in Kenya, Eastern, Western, West Africa, Senegal region as well. You know, uh, we see a lot of conversion rates online in those regions. And the plan is to, you know, start with Africa and expand the brand and try to convert the appetite that we've got and the equity that we've got. And that is the plan for 2022 and beyond. Do you keep
1: manufacturing in South Africa? Do you keep it local? Um, do you use this as the base for that expansion?
0: Um, So that's part of the strategy, we're still doing analysis. So we're in talks with a few uh, factories in South Africa, because at the moment with our um, current catalog, you know, we've got SKUs that are from South Africa and we've got SKUs that are from the East or other parts of of, of the world, you know. So generally speaking, I mean, you look at um, West Africa, they also have great, I think infrastructure, still again, you know, more or less the same as South Africa, but the infrastructure is really great. So the idea is to do manufacturing pair regions where we trade, and see how we can leverage off from the infrastructures that exist there, leverage off from the service providers that exist there and stakeholders, you know, that exist there. And, and it also help us minimize a lot of cost as opposed to if we have to manufacture in South Africa and then ship into Kenya and so forth. So if we can have stakeholders and you know facilities that are already in Kenya for us to uh, use and utilize for manufacturing, that would be great for not only for our business but for the local economy in those regions as well you know so it's still it's all still part of the strategy as to with the partners that we in talks with as to how we are going to do it can't wait to see how
1: that evolves that is the founder of Batu shoes Theo Baloy a shapeshifter classic this evening on the money show